Welcome, everyone, to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek Discovery podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here to talk to you, finally, Matt, with an air date for Star Trek Discovery. Yes, thank goodness. Pete, when, when this show was first announced to us, November 2015 as a thing, and then some delays here, some delays there, always in the spirit of, uh, of improving it and, and getting the right leadership and getting the right cast and writers and so on and so forth. You know, it, it seemed like this date would be a far way off, but Pete, we finally have a fixed star by which we can navigate. Yes, that date being in the United States, Matt, on CBS Prime. Uh, is going to be September, Sunday, September 24th, uh, immediately following the pilot on CBS All Access. The second episode will be unlocked, will be available. So creating that incentive right off the bat to have the digital arm uh, by which all of the other shows will be available uh, they've broken the uh, the the journey of the first season up into uh, two parts, two chapters that they're calling it. The first eight chapters will take us into early November, uh, and then we're going to have a small break, and it will return in uh, January of 2018 for the final seven episodes. So I would assume that for those outside the United States and Canada, since the, the plan has been for uh, Netflix to get the episodes the next day, I assume that it would then be that Monday that the first two episodes would hit. Yes, um, I understand that the UK has already been given a date of Monday, September 25th. There you go. Easy peasy. Um, also, I would assume that, uh, look... This is where the rubber meets the road for whether CBS All Access will be a viable year-round product. I think it's wise then that, uh, that they will have that break in the two, uh, the two halves of the season. Certainly we've seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and in other shows how a narrative break can be appreciated. And quite frankly, as much as I think binging can be fun, I will like the notion that we're going to get these eight got to figure cliffhanger at the end right mm -hmm. and then what will happen and you kind of get to you, you get to uh soak yourself in in reflection and in anticipation then it comes back also from a business sense uh just down to just looking at the the the, the finances of cbs all access the question is going to be how many people cancel it so they don't have to pay for it for that month in between and then bring it back uh, I think that'll be a test of where they're at as a as a product, um, but all, all all good things. I mean, if they're going to have a product that's going to succeed, figure it out early. Whether this is Star Trek or whether this is a beyond Star Trek type thing, and uh, get those episodes out there. Super psyched to be able to do two episodes in one night, which I know you had suggested at Pete way back when, uh, because that's the model that they followed for the good uh, fight, uh, but. This is all good stuff, Pete. We finally have Star Trek back on not one schedule, two schedules. Yeah, uh, I'm a little concerned about the fall as a uh, a time to drop it. I, I still think it would have been ideal 
for the summer dominate the landscape as opposed to being one of many, many, many new shows. But again, this is Star Trek. This is the mold breaker of mold breakers um, that it's been able to have the press cachet it has in the last several days, beginning with the uh, announcement of the, the air date tells you that uh, we will only pick up in terms of interest the closer we get. It's, it's not going to get lost in the shuffle. Let's put it that way. I think they would have dominated a little bit more outside of the normal fall TV. Hey, this is when everything comes out landscape. And uh, probably, in fact, almost certainly there are versions of the, the launch plan prior to you know however far back you want to go at whatever point the sky was falling and there was red alert because there was this change or that change probably the original intention i would bet would be you know land smack dab right in the middle of july or august uh you know whether you want to avoid game of thrones or you want to avoid oranges the new black whatever it is but that probably was what they were hoping for and at a certain point when you're doing the casting when you're finally putting together your filming plans you know, I'm no expert on uh, on uh, the production of a Star Trek show. I only know tons and tons, as do you, Pete, and as do all our listeners. But it's probably safe to say that if you start filming in January, to say we have we have to, we simply must rattle off eight episodes this summer, it's probably a tall order. Versus, let's get the best product out there, even if it is a crowded landscape. At least the TV audience is primed to look for new shows in in uh, September and October. So, boom, let's bring it on. Absolutely. With that, Matt, um, there's been a spate of uh, stories that have hit, giving us a, a further glimpse into the show into other characters we have not yet seen. We still haven't uh, seen the discovery other than um, some of the imagery when it comes to uh, promotion, really not so much screen images. Um, so, you know, there's still a fair amount of, of mystery here other than a couple things we can, uh, we can go into some detail about now. Yeah. And I suppose this is all under the umbrella of of credit where credit is due um they're doing a good job at presenting stuff uh to the public to the entertainment press to get our expectations going here no particular surprise that entertainment weekly is home to a lot of these uh that's just how it works it's not a not a slam uh, against entertainment weekly it's just they have a they have a big podium they have a broad podium um to think pete that it's uh, about 10 months ago when we were at Mission New York, uh, the Star Trek convention where, uh, where uh, Nicholas Meyer, after being asked a question from the audience, please, not even a question, a plea, please don't mess this up. His and there was thunderous applause. His response was lower your expectations, which I'm sure gave some PR people tummy aches. Um, now Entertainment Weekly is getting dribs and drabs, as we're going to talk about here. Um, they're playing the entertainment press just like you should to psych mm -hmm. people up. So, so hats off there. And uh, Pete, where do you want to start with some of this info that has come out? Well, let's start with our main character, Matt. Uh, a lot of confusion when 
finally, it could be confirmed the day after she was killed off of her character was killed off The Walking Dead that Sonequa Martin Green's character was named Michael Burnham. And people are like, what? That wasn't the name Commander Rainsford we were given before. What's the story? And there's more now about the name. Yeah. And, uh, I guess I should say, Pete, you know, we, we podcast a lot of TV. I try and be as spoiler free as possible, but you know what, Pete, sometimes you just need to give in, need to embrace a little <laughs> of the dribs and drabs coming out. Yes. Here. Yes. So we are going to spoiler yellow alert. Normal operations can continue. Going to talk about some, I wouldn't even call them spoilery, Pete. Is it stuff that I assume is going to be touched on in the first episode and fleshed out a bit more? Yeah. But it's either that, Pete, or the, the, the cold void of space. So hopefully everybody now has their, their spoiler yellow alerts all set. Um, I have a little background here in Michael Burnham uh, that, uh, that she is the first human to enroll in the Vulcan Science Academy. Yeah. So there's your Sarek connection. There's your, your uh, situation set up where as a child, you know, she has emotions and kind of, kind of slightly somehow a little flip on the Spock dynamic where she's trying to be more Vulcan, even though she's human. Well, I think it creates several interesting avenues. One also mentioned in that story and Sinequa Martin green brought it up is the name Amanda, Amanda Grayson. So there had been speculation there. There had even been, um, something floated by way of, I want to say Brian Fuller back in the fall that, uh, Amanda could not only appear, but they could get Winona Ryder as Amanda, having played that character in the um, the the J.J. Uh, Abrams 2009 Star Trek, which the character continuity couldn't remain because obviously it's before um, Winona Ryder's, you know, Amanda before the timeline splits. Pete, there certainly would be stranger things than that. <laughs> um, I, I, to me, it just makes sense. And, I mean, she's she's coming off of the hotness of Stranger Things. Clearly, she can uh, she's comfortable in the TV world, whether it's the TV pace, the TV pay, whatever it is. I assume that she would probably get paid a premium because it is the the, the movie Amanda, that kind of thing. Um, but we can, I mean, that, that would be great too. Um, you have to wonder at what point that, that slips out, but that said, Pete, they're, they're running a tight, tight ship, no pun intended with a lot of this stuff. The second thing that, that opens up, we we've already seen in the first trailer, there is flashback to when she is a child. Boom. There's uh, you know, rapport with child Spock. So you, you know, don't need to do the adult Spock. You, you can give some backstory there and, you know, show a dynamic there and it could even be, all right, Spock just sent a message, whatever it is, if you're going to go that route, but it certainly opens that possibility up. It's uh, it's it's exciting stuff all around. Uh, a couple days ago, the first image of uh, of Jason Isaacs as Captain Gabriel Lorca was revealed. 
um, which led to some some uh, uniform discussion that we'll get to in a little bit, Pete. But uh, first, Lorca, Pete, a human. Some people were wondering if perhaps he was going to be an alien, but uh, we get Lorca and Pete. By implication, we get perhaps the first view of the uh, of the Discovery Bridge, which looks different than the bridge yes. of the Shenzhou, which would make sense. So maybe Pete, just maybe the people rolling out the the uh, you know all the footage and all the teasers and trying to get people psyched, maybe it's on purpose that the Shenzhou looks kind of like the. The, the JJ movies and then this one shot here of Captain Lorca it's not what's called a Dutch angle Pete it's not turned on the one side i.e. JJ there's not things shining in our faces it even looks a little bit brighter lit Pete yeah brighter lit the color palette looks much more in line with that of the 1960s bridge not saying that's what it's going to look like, but I think there is a conscious effort to bridge, pun intended, that gap between what people saw and some people freaked out with the Shenzhou Bridge and what potentially the full-on Discovery Bridge could look like. One thing about Lorca, Matt, you mentioned that, that people had speculated some alien nature that came primarily from a shot that he shared on social media of a casting of his face um, that uh, people began to speculate that maybe it's for, you know, that Captain Lorca bust you can order come <laughs> September 25th uh, on, on Amazon or whatever that's going to be. Uh, I, however, and I, I floated this to Matt, um, not even having seen the picture of Jason Isaacs yet the other day, he can attest with the text and even the time oh, yeah. when I shared this idea with him. What, what was that idea, Pete? That would be that what if Matt, and, and this is going to dovetail into, um, yet another article that entertainment weekly has uh, meted out this week. What if, yes, we've established that there are Klingons on this show, but what if they're not the only antagonists? Whatever do you mean, Pete? You're surely not saying that once a Slytherin, always a Slytherin. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means, but I'm saying that uh, a guy with a penchant for playing tremendously nuanced villains um in jason isaacs what if matt we don't have the discovery at the beginning because we will discover that it's been hijacked and he's gone rogue and the shensu part of their mission whether it's known or unknown is to get that other ship back we know that eventually uh michael burnham will come to command that ship she's going to be on that ship it begs the question how does she wind up going from one to the other what's this all about and i don't think you go out and you get a jason isaacs um if you're not going to play upon uh that dual nature that he can do so well i i go back to the patriot with him and you know that 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 british officer that he played maybe one of the the greatest bad guys you'll ever see. 
Um, I'm not saying this is the case. I'm saying it's it's something that I thought about, and then boom, I get home and I happen to see that that photo. Um, so maybe the universe was speaking to me, or maybe it's just bad theory. <laughs> well, certainly the the bust of his face, as you said, Pete, it could be for for ancillary purposes. Uh, you know, whether it's uh, the action figure, the bust. Uh, for your mantle, etc. It also could be, I mean, whether he's going to be surprise Klingon or, you know, those little uh, wormy aliens from Conspiracy and <laughs> whatever it is, it might just be a case of, or it could be, oh man, in episode six, you get, uh, you know, an explosion to the face and you're going to need prosthetics to do that. Yeah. Let's yeah. take let's take a bust of your face now so we can work out where the gloop and the glop and, and whatnot goes and then bring you in for final makeup uh, fittings, for lack of a better word. But, you know, as opposed to come on in the chair and we're going to play with your face for six hours to figure out, you know, oh, this works on your cheekbones. This doesn't work on your nose. You know, get that face nice and early in pre-production so you can make what you have to make as the season goes on. Now, I had thrown that out and there's a story today, Matt, in Entertainment Weekly that um, what Discovery has done is thrown out a major rule that had been, um, I won't say restrictive, but something that had been part of the writer's rooms going back to the 80s um, with five different series of Star Trek. Now, this is an article I have not read. As we were starting to record, this, uh, this, this article got posted on uh, EW.com. Pete makes me anticipate my latest uh, copy of Entertainment Weekly, which I know it's dated June 30th, but it might be coming today, in fact. There you go. Um, but Pete, what is this rule? You, right before we were recording, you said, don't read it. So I don't, <laughs> even, I don't know what it is. Just, I, I am the audience, Pete. What is this rule that has been thrown out? They have thrown out the limitation of uh, not having members of Starfleet in direct conflict of one another. And oh, thank goodness. if there's anything that might confirm my theory that he's somebody who goes rogue or that the discovery is off on its own mission and he's taken it to do its own thing or whatever, it would be something like this. Yes, that ups the dramatic ante for, you know, uh, Burnham to be cast against um, Philippa Georgiou of the Shensu, the captain there, in case, you know, we're going to we're going to fire on the Klingons. We're not going to fire on the Klingons, whatever that's going to be. And certainly we have seen conflict. You go back to Deep Space Nine and you think of um, the, the great. Uh, Les Mis, uh, you know, motif they did with Cisco and uh, Edison, the the Valjean, the the whole idea there. Um, they they've done it, but they were very careful to cast. Okay, this is a Starfleet officer, and this is a member of the Maquis who was in Starfleet clothing. Um, so clearly, there are going to be problems between. Uh, Starfleet personnel and yeah what greater way than to make the captain Matt the guy you know may maybe it's it's a mutiny maybe it's uh hey I'm the captain of the ship and you're gonna follow me it's a you know um 
not Hunt for Red October. What's the other submarine movie where that goes on with uh, Denzel Washington? Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide. I had had Red in there someplace. <laughs> uh, either way, Matt, it would signal a red alert to, um, you know, our mission of exploration. And I mean, to be fair, this is a rule, as you said, Pete, it's a rule that was skirted a bit for Deep Space Nine. Uh, it's a rule that was, you know, who's... Maquis exception was built into the conceit of uh, a Voyager. You know, some people aren't going to get along because they're not really Starfleet because they have the different pips you know, or, or even they're just downright bad like Seska who never came around and saw the good way of doing things. Um, that said, you think back to some of the, shall we say, least successful episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation in the first two seasons. It was because of this rule and the same rule where people can't change fundamentally as a character, um, which was a rule that that was the show was not cooked up with. So you have a Crusher Picard budding romance. And then Gene Roddenberry said, no, 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 no one changes. So, you know, some of those stagnant episodes, which I love, which are fun, which take me back to being seven, eight, nine years old. But then you look back now and you're like, oh my goodness, it's the... The, the dog people and the fish people are fighting again. And I, I just, I don't want to watch this episode anymore, but I'm doing my rewatch and I, I have to. Um, I like the, uh, the season one next gen episode with the, uh, the, the takeover. And it's actually set up for several episodes in advance. You know, there's a, there's a line here or there in like four consecutive episodes about, garbled communication and then having to get back to Starfleet. And it culminates in this, you know, invasion of the body snatchers style episode complete with the, the prosthetics and the, you know, the, the one shot of the, of the phaser hitting the guy. And, you know, you referenced the, the worms before and everything like that. Um, it, it's dated, it, it does not hold up as well. Anything in those first two seasons with those really tight uniforms, I find is just, you know, really difficult to watch as far as next gen is concerned, as watchable as the next generation is. But I think if you could take some of those ideas and, you know, you, you look at an organization like Starfleet and we've seen this in, you know, some of the, uh, uh, the the J.J. Abrams, um, you know, universe stuff, the idea of one faction working against another, albeit they they revisited the idea of Section 31. And then you had Peter Weller's character, which I think it was, you know, a coincidence that he happened to be at Star Trek New York a year ago um, with uh, with Bruce Greenwood on a panel, which we really enjoyed. But you know, I, I think the time is right, Matt. And thematically, they've kind of previewed this idea of it's not one big happy organization that maybe there's somebody at the top making moves other people don't agree with. And uh, lo and behold, the, the rank and file got to clean things up. So, Pete, what you're saying is you can respect the the office, you could respect the uniform, we're going to be talking about uniforms in a second, but this show might be discussing how maybe the guy in charge is doing a terrible job and people need to, to do something about it. I think you're rushing to judgment a little bit there. Uh, Pete, let's 
move on here. We've been talking a lot about the great insider access uh, coverage that Entertainment Weekly has had. Uh, meanwhile, kind of jumping off of the, the Jason Isaacs picture, trekmovie.com had a really, really fantastic uh, post. This is dated June 22nd by Aaron Harvey. Uh, and the name of the post, uh, giving it all full credit here because it, it, it brought me to, to warp 10 on my geekage, Pete. A close-up look at Star Trek Discovery Uniforms infographic. Um, fantastic article it notes that this picture of uh, captain Lorca is the the clearest picture yet of the starfleet uniforms to quote there um and then they have this wonderful uh uniform breakdown which brought me back to my days of uh leafing through the star trek the next generation um uh technical manual and pete i won't read it word for word just because it, it deserves its own look but here are a couple of things that we've seen but I didn't see until it was fully pointed out here or made clear in the Jason Isaac picture. Uh, let's start top to bottom, Pete. We got a split cowl collar. The, the left part of the collar is bigger than the right part. Kind of weird, but it, 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 I don't know. It just it, it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, of course, the braiding on the shoulders that we've seen before. It appears the captains have more uh, gold braiding kind of going up the shoulder. Um, and then Pete, we'll stop in the in the, the the upper portion of the torso here, captured on screen before, pointed out to me for the first time in this uh, in this Trek movie article is the fact that the the badges, which of course uh, bronze, silver, and gold for uh, ops, science, and command respectively, they also have little rank pips on them. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting way to express that idea. I mean, we've seen it done on the collar before. Um, Lord knows the original series had some very unique presentation when it came to um, the the kind of uh, chest insignia there over the heart, um, and the and the different ships had different um, insignia as opposed to the, to the Starfleet Delta, but, um, just the, the overall, you know, they decided to go with blue. We've had red before, albeit later set in the timeline. Um, the usage of the Starfleet Delta as, um, a pattern, which I really enjoyed in the most recent movies. The, the first two went with it on the, um, the tunic, I guess, on the shirts uh, until the most recent one just went with solid colors. And uh, that that's returned here on the side. Um, and apparently, Matt, what I found most interesting was that the level of attention to detail with these uniforms is said to have been one of the things that caused some of our delay at this point, which, again, if you're going to... Uh, bring Star Trek back and we're going to overtly reference um, Game of Thrones as a a level of TV that we're going for, um, then I'm fine with that. Absolutely. And uh, it all, all this world building needs to be from the ground up. And I don't know what, what had appeared in, in, uh, less than 1080p HD to be that webbing on either side of the torso. Now, as you said, it's uh, it's the Star Trek Delta turned at a a 20 degree angle. Notes a Trek movie. 
Um, the fact that there are some some uh, pocket zippers with division color coding. I mean, I'm eating all this stuff up. I'm not a I'm not a buy the buy the uniform kind of guy. I'm certainly not a cosplay kind of guy, but it should be all authentic and and to use Game of Thrones as probably the the highest uh, benchmark on television now or on television in the last 10 15 years in terms of building a world that is different from our own you know there's all you buy all the different geographies on Game of Thrones and all the different clothing and all you know all the things where people have sat down and said what does a Dothraki necklace look like and that's somebody's job to figure that out and then to make it out of the appropriate materials that's not a plot point that's just something that adds to the richness and I would argue adds to you know if 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 uh, necklace guy or gal has spent time on that and that's going to cause the writer to be all the more specific in what they have to say and the director to be more specific and so on and so forth so pete even down to the boots here we have some i mean yeah. these are sweet boots um metallic clasps color coded to division uh, and then uh kind of uh using trek movies words here don't want to be claimed i was plagiarizing pete division color coded metal highlights encompass the base of boots these are the coolest star trek boots ever pete oh undoubtedly and uh, again i've said it before i i just want to be consistent i would have chosen to move ahead into a point on the timeline past any that we've had so far so that you're not running into canonical issues uh yeah we're all fans in the room but in inevitably matt there's going to be a mistake that's going to ruffle somebody's feathers in terms of the storytelling and then it's going to be like well we observe this idea but we don't observe this idea and you're going to tick people off that being said these uniforms are the uniforms you'd expect the level of attention to detail and um update and and look that you would expect with a show in 2017 and when we heard a lot of the online grousing oh you know they're they're going to be set before kirk but they're not going to wear those uniforms etc cetera, etc cetera. you know we were right there saying let them let them do their thing and the proof being in the pudding that we can see laid out here. And I would certainly uh, encourage people to check out this uniform breakdown on trekmovie.com. I'm all for it. There retroactively, or, or if we put ourselves, Pete, if we slingshot around the sun and go back (laughs) to two years ago, is there an argument to be made to do a faithful period piece where we are, we are, part of the, I don't, want, I don't want to say trapping of the show, but the way one says, all right, this is a Western. Well, we need to we need to get as deep down as possible. This is a fantasy with dragons. We need to bring that to life. Could you have, uh, could you have made an argument that the show is going to be the best 2016, 2017, 2018 version of 1960s Star Trek? We're going to have a camera that when it move when it, we have a dolly shot, Pete, it won't wobble and we're going to have HD and we're going to have widescreen, but we're still going to stick to the hairstyles and this and that. Sure. And, and I think there's merit to that view. Clearly they decided not. And, and as we've said many, many times before, 
how many times has Star Trek reinvented itself under the guise of, but it still is one canon? Tons of, you know, for each show. And then sometimes the shows have reinvented themselves in, in one way or another. So I feel like this uniform, looking at this breakdown on trekmovie.com, this uniform gets me excited the way I was that first summer after Star Trek The Next Generation, flipping through the official Star Trek The Next Generation magazine and being like, oh, look what the different dots on their collar means, you know, and this is this is a great design, and let's just cool it with the timeline a little bit here. I think there's kind of this, you know, JJ changed changed the timeline, so now we were now we're talking more about the timeline. Let's stop playing Back to the Future here and just concentrate on this show. If they decide to suddenly, you know, I don't know, blow up the Klingon homeworld, and you say, wait, that's in direct opposition to when they blew up the Klingon homeworld in uh, the movies, which, of course, kind of directly was in opposition of an established Klingon homeworld concurrent in Star Trek Next Generation and Generation Late. Can we just have some Star Trek where people <laughs> fight Klingons, or maybe there are some good Klingons, Pete, and maybe there's some bad people among us? I don't know. And at the end of the day, we all learn that we have to work together and look past our differences to be one, one galactic people. It's time to not worry about time until it's time for time travel. Um, that being said, Matt, let's talk about physical travel. And the other thing that came out through Entertainment Weekly was a shot of the Shangshu's transporter room, which is wild to look at. It's almost difficult to understand what it is and and pete i dare say the audio medium of podcasts will not quite do the picture justice whereas we could say hey captain Lorca, it's a better picture of his uniform than the other pictures you've seen already okay fine this pete I, I, how would you even begin to describe this well if if we're going to take the analog of what we've seen of transporters before it looks like the pads are now on the walls you see two gigantic bigger than people sized transporter coils maybe i'm showing my lack of <laughs> technobabble uh cred here uh, but really kind of a, a focusing situation given that uh captain um Georgiou and uh, First Officer Burnham are standing in front of them. Uh, there's a really cool checkered background um, of the rest of the room that, as I mentioned to Matt off mic before, I want to imagine oscillates the black and yellow like the room moves. Uh, we saw a little bit of that done with the 70s and 80s uh, film transporter rooms. There was kind of a, like a, a background effect where it moved around a little bit. Um, and then there's kind of a desk where, uh, you have two characters that are preparing to, uh, beam them away. One of them is definitely Lieutenant Saru. Um, and interestingly, we, we've got old school phasers, but they're wearing, body armor around their torsos around those uniforms that we just talked about before. So there's a lot going on here. And again, if you are going to take time to get it right, there's not an image we've seen yet, Matt, that you can look at and say, well, that was rushed. 
<laughs> that is true. I mean, these colors are lush. There's lots of golds. There's lots of blues. Um, though the pictures are not as high resolution as I think we would want, uh, probably in part because Entertainment Weekly is looking forward to <laughs> people Pete, doing the old school thing and buying the magazine on paper. Right. Huh? Go figure that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the body armor looks looks menacing while still looking um, looking. I don't know, not bulky. Kind of kind of looking. I don't it, quite say form fitting. I don't want to overly overly cuteize. It looks it. like a, a queer ass you would see on Game of Thrones to me. It looks like leather uh, armor that you would see somebody wear uh, in a period piece. But in science fiction, it's it's one of the the coolest things I've seen them incorporate to this date. And Pete, I, I can't help but notice because, you know, we all know that Starfleet is a is an exploration, peaceful organization. But sometimes you got to bring the heat. Both ladies, as the, we presume they are getting ready to beam down, hands on their sidearms. Sweet, kind of somewhat low uh, holster there. Uh, certainly the the leg holster. Uh, I'll say Han Solo esque, but the, you know that was picking up a Western aesthetic as well. A certain kind of right. gunslinger aesthetic. This is not the little pouch velcroed onto the unseen belt of Next Generation. Um, this is a this is a gun holster. And Pete, I would love it if there were no guns in the 21st century. But since I have to have it on my Star Trek, that's a cool looking gun. Yeah, at least gun no. holster. I don't know. We, we can't even. We haven't even seen the phaser yet, and it's just it's all good, Pete. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, every aesthetic that we've seen in terms of the costuming and the set design has been worth the wait. And now um, it's it's just about time to see it. As is noticed on that uh, Entertainment Weekly post, Pete, and I think something to keep in mind as we go, what? Transporter uh, pads can't be in the wall. What is it? You've rewrote everything. Pete, what ship are they presumably on? That's the Shenshu. So that's not that's not the design of the ship where we are going to end up for presumably seven, eight, nine, ten seasons. That's not home. This is our this is our our home away from home. So if this is some older tech, some weirder tech, you know, if this is the the prototype ship that never took off because ah. Uh, it's a it's a bucket of bolts. You know, if, if there's going to be hate towards the Shenshu, so that we can get to Discovery and say, "Oh, this is this is what Star Trek would have looked like in 1960 if there was the money, if there was the time, if there was the perspective." Um, if that's going to be what the Discovery is, then all of this, by definition, doesn't need to be that. So it can be wacky, it can be weird, and it can be a little a little foreign. But Pete, I am excited today about star trek discovery i am more excited about star trek discovery than i have been period i think there's a lot to be excited about it's just a question of you know this wait matt for the the better part of the next three months well hopefully they keep these little little nuggets coming out i certainly don't want any big reveals i i will uh at the end of this podcast beat i will stand down from spoiler yellow alert <laughs> Uh, and make sure I'm not peering too much. I feel like uniforms are okay because uh, at the end of the day, there's not going to be an episode about the tailor on the ship saying, "Oh no, Captain Lorca has put on three pounds. I have to redo his coat." You know, that's not salient story stuff. Give me, you know, good guys and bad guys, and good gals and bad gals, and 
Klingon funeral rituals and things of that sort. That's that's where the real bread and butter is. But exciting times, certainly. Can't wait. Pete, in the 23rd century, and indeed the 24th century, of course, humans have evolved past the need for for monetary trinkets. However, here in the 21st century, we want to say thank you to everyone who supports the entire Puff family of Fantastic Geek Puff podcasts on patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Yeah, uh, certainly everybody who is able to donate, you help us a tremendous amount with things like bandwidth and bandwidth (laughs) and certainly other costs that accrue in bringing this thing of ours to you. Uh, So if you get yourself over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek with a PH all one word, everybody who contributes gets um, automatic exclusive podcast content so uh you can start there and then there are all sorts of packages uh that you're eligible to uh to upgrade to and of course that not only keeps uh keeps the discovery a star trek podcast a fantastic geek going but uh whether it's our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, whether it's our back catalog for Star Trek Essentials, uh, podcast for the Dearly Departed Agent Carter show, uh, for all the Defenders shows, you got your Daredevil, your Jessica Jones, your Luke Cage, and even Pete, your Iron Fist, forthcoming Defenders podcast next month. Uh, and all of it is up there, uh, stored and bandwidthed uh, because, of, uh, because of the help we get from listeners like you. Absolutely. So, Pete, we will definitely be back talking Star Trek Discovery as news warrants. Uh, something tells me they're going to keep feeding out these little nuggets. Maybe, you know, it, it's been riches this week where there's been something every day for most of the week. Um, that, of course, ahead of of the show getting a spread in Entertainment Weekly, the June 30th issue. Uh, something tells me we're going to get some more goodies in July and then August. And then in September, it'll hopefully reach a fever pitch. So... Whether you're listening to us on the Discovery feed, where you'll hear more of that, or if you're listening to us on the Pop Culture Podcast feed by Fantastic Geek, where you're getting all the goodies that we do, I think next up will be some uh, some Defenders, some Punisher, uh, and uh, definitely get some more Star Trek stuff in this summer, some Star Trek episodes of, of Futures Past. Pete, it's a wonderful time to be geeking and to be alive. It is, and we're happy to be bringing it to you. Hopefully, Pete, our listeners are as excited about these discovery reveals as we are. We would love to hear from you, dear listeners. Pete, how can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,359 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you want. We are Fantastic Geek. That is fantastic with the P and the H. FantasticGeek.com. Leave a comment there. Send an email to FantasticGeek at gmail.com. Reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. All one word again with the P-H. With that, Pete, I will say yin jiu to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. I think I tore my uniform. <laughs> <laughs>